recorded live in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Trivial Warfare. More than just a pub quiz, Trivial Warfare is your gateway to a worldwide trivia community. Join your hosts, Jonathan. We just described Ric Flair as the Neanderthal <laughs> man in Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Chris. Yo, we going down to Sesame Street. <laughs> that's, that's your impression of hardcore rap? No. <laughs> Carmella. That would irritate the hell out of me. I'm like, I just want my groceries. <laughs> <laughs> my ice cream is melting. <laughs> ben. ben. Four halogens in that list. Oh, my God. You were like, it's not the halogens. I'm like, no, Ben, no. Those damn halogens got me again. <laughs> and the rest of the Trivial Warfare Army for another week of fun and games. Now, here's your host. Jonathan Oaks. Hey, trivia nerds. Welcome back to another episode of Trivial Warfare. We are the podcast that takes the pub quiz out of the pub and brings it home to you. My name is Jonathan, and I am here today with a crowded house. To my right, Carmela Smith. Hello, Carmela. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Thank you. To my left, Mr. Ben Young. Hello, Ben. Good morning. Hello. And to my far left, Chris Hollister is in the house. Hello, I think Chris. This, I think this is the first time I've been categorized as far left, so that's kind of cool, Jonathan. Thanks. Well, we just trying to keep up with demographics, I guess. Crickets. <laughs> Wait for it. Does so that right. make me your right-hand woman? <laughs> oh, I like it. Yes. You're his- Seated on the right Alexandra side. Hamilton. Uh, we got a great guest today. We do? Yes. Fantastic. William Travis is in the Woo-hoo! house. Hello, William. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the show, my man. Yeah, thanks for having me back. It is great to see you. So let's uh, remind everybody who you are, where you're from, and what you do. My name is William Travis, sometimes go by Will. I live in Irving, Texas, originally from Dallas, Texas, about 10 minutes away from me right now. I am a tax attorney. I work with an accounting firm. I specialize in gift and estate taxes and uh, gift and estate planning. So this is kind of a busy time for me, but I had one stipulation. I said, okay, I can work weekends, but I got to record Trivial Warfare first. Nice. Love it. It's It's in the priorities. I love it. Well, we're so glad that you're here. Now, I think it's time for Warm It Up Chris. No, it's not time for Warm It Up Chris. It's time for Warm It Up Carmella. Oh. It's time to warm it up. A trivial warfare today, and there's only one person who can warm it up for the TWA, and that's Chris, and sometimes Jonathan. In a rare uh, turn of events, I'm going to do the warm-up question I love today. it. Let's do it. Ooh. So, I got a song stuck in my head the other day. Oh, earworm. Was it Old Town Road? It was not Old Town Road for once, because hmm. uh, <laughs> that song gets stuck in my head a lot. Was it, was it Dance Baby? What, what is it called? Dance? Dance Monkey? Dance Monkey. I love that song. I enjoy it, too. You know what's fun about it? What's that? On Beat Saber, it's awesome. Oh, okay. It's really good. Uh, Waco introduced me to that song because his daughter, Journey, really likes Tones and I, and so she gave it to Waco, who gave it to me. By the way, if you don't know Dance Monkey, if you don't know what we're talking about, go listen to it because it's going to end up a trivia question at your game sometime in the next year. I'm not wrong about that. (laughs) So Carmella was a baby shark? Was not baby shark. Oh, Angie's going to be sad. (laughs) So it was a song called The Cover of Rolling Stone Oh, by Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show. So a lot of people are familiar with this song. 
So I went and looked at it because I was like, who wrote this song? So I found out who wrote it. Uh, it is a famous American poet. Anybody want to take a guess? Shel Silverstein. It was Shel Silverstein. That was a straight nice guess. Job. Nice I'm job. like, hey, famous American poet who writes things that turn into songs. I'm going to guess Shel Silverstein. It is Shel Silverstein. So Rolling Stone, the magazine, was first published in 1967. So I have a list of all of the people who were on the cover of Rolling Stone from the premiere in 1967 all the way to the end of 1969. Oh. So we're going to go around and I want you to give me who you think was on the cover of Rolling Stone. Holy like shnikes. Tight window wow. here. <laughs> so 67 to 69. 67 to 69. So it's a bi-weekly publication. So there's there's a lot of, uh, a lot of opportunities. So... We're going to start with William. All right. Let's go easy here. John Lennon. John Lennon was on the first cover of Rolling Stone, November 9th, 1967. Do you want, if they're on the cover as a band, do you want the band or yes. the individuals? I want the band if they're on the cover as a All band. Right. Unless you feel like they were on as an individual. I am going to guess the Rolling Stones. I was going to go to Chris next, but we'll, we'll go to Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would have been really counterclockwise. Sorry, I didn't realize. I'm mm. sorry. <laughs> Who's hosting this episode? It's fine. Not a big deal. <laughs> uh, not, not in that time really? frame. Really? Wow. They were wow. hot in that time frame. They, they were not on the cover between 1967 and 1969. Oh, All right, Ben. I don't know. I don't know this stuff. I'm going to go with Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix was on the cover. Um, nice job. He was on the cover a couple times. Uh, March 9th, 1968. He was also there in 1969. And was also on the cover um, in January 1968. Sweet. So, Christopher. I'm going to say uh, Mr. Pa- or, excuse me, Sir Paul McCartney. Let's see if he was on there individually. That was when Wings first started. So, since she's having to scroll a lot, I'm guessing that's a new. No, I wouldn't think he would be either. No, you're good. Nope. No singular Paul McCartney. William. Um, Let's say Bob Dylan. Oh, yeah. Bob Dylan. Let's see here. That's strong. June 22nd, 1968. Nice job. I think that was the only time during that time frame he was on the cover. Oh, no. Also November 1969. Jonathan. Uh, I'm going to say the Beatles. Yes. uh, December 1967, as well as April 68. And... October 68 and yeah. December 68 and and, 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 and November 69. <laughs> so I find it interesting that they would be on the cover that many times, but yet not be recording music together. Because weren't didn't they hate each other by like 67 or 68? They were still together no, they were in 69. Together. Oh, okay. Wasn't it said the early 70s? that I think they broke they up at the end up, of 69. Yeah. Okay. Like I said, I don't know. They definitely weren't touring at that time. Got it. Chris. Uh, no, sorry. Ben. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much out of people. Let's go with the uh, white people that are old slash dead now. Let's see. <laughs> it's fair. Why don't, you, why don't you try black people? <sighs> we didn't have all our civil rights then. Let's go with um, Aretha Franklin. Oh, let's see here. I do not have Aretha Franklin during that time frame. Mm. Christopher. I'm going to say The Who. The band The Who is not on one Man, of the I'm over time right frame. now. Oh, snap. William. Oh, wow. Um, I'm kind of out of people, too, all of a sudden. Uh, I'm going to say the Mamas and the Papas. Oh, that was on my list. No, they were Ooh. not on the cover during that time frame as a band. Oh. 
Let's go with Carol King. Ooh. Carol King was not on the cover <laughs> during that time frame. <laughs> ben. Hmm. Let's go with The Doors. Oh, that's good. The Doors as a band was not on the cover. Well, it's probably the solo. I'm going to say uh, Janis Joplin. Janis Joplin was on the cover. All right, I'm off, to, I'm off the show. I was picking between her and Carol <laughs> King, and I chose wrong. February uh, 24, 1968, she was on the cover. William. Come on. Okay, well, if the mom or if the mamas and the papas weren't on as a band, maybe uh, Mama Cass. Mama Cass was not on the cover. Oh, I thought you were giving me a clue earlier. <laughs> I'm picking up on the same clue, but I think there is an iconic Rolling Stone cover with Jim Morrison on it, shirtless. So I'm saying Jim Morrison. Right before the Janis Joplin cover, February 10th, 1968, Jim Morrison. Yep. All right, mm-hmm. Ben? Jagger. Mick Jagger was on the cover. The last cover that I have for him is uh, December 27th, 1969. So he just squeaked in there. Just got in there. All right, Christopher. Okay. Hmm. Uh, you know what? I, I had him in my head for a little bit. Johnny Cash. Ooh. Yeah, that's that's not a bad guess. Let's see what's on here. Oh, and Jagger was also uh, August 10th, 1968. And October 68. Uh, let's see here. Johnny Cash was not on the cover ah, in the 60s. Man. Last time around. William. Let's try Frank Zappa. Ooh, Frank that's, Zappa. That's interesting. July 20th, 1968. Good job. Jonathan. Wow. That was deep cut. I'm deep cuts. gonna try Marvin Gaye. Oh, that's good. I don't know if the years are right, though. He was definitely singing at that time. He had big hits at that time. He was, but he was not on the cover during that time frame. Darn it. Benjamin. So, people that may have been at Woodstock. I think I've already said all the ones that I would know for sure. Hmm. Let's see. Um... Temptations. Temptations is not on the yeah. list. And to wrap us up, Christopher. All right. I was uh, racking my brain. I'm going to say Cream. Cream is not on the oh, list. I was, okay, was Clapton on there? Clapton is. Dang it! <laughs> <laughs> so some names you missed. Uh, the second cover of the Rolling Stone was Tina Turner. Uh, uh, Donovan, Jimi Hendrix, and Otis Redding shared a cover. We said Jim Morrison, James Joplin, Lou Adler, and John Phillips. Eric Clapton, uh, Tiny Tim. Oh, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> what is that? Tiptoe through the tulips. Tiptoe through the tulips. Really? What is that? It's stupid. The very fa- the most famous thing is, is he got married on The Tonight Show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the band. Of course. Pete Townsend. We said The Who, yeah. but uh, as, soon as, as soon as she said not as The Who, I wrote down Pete Townsend as yeah. a guest. Mm. John Lennon shared a cover with Yoko Ono. Mm. Uh, okay. Doug Somm, The Beatles again. Uh, Rob Tyner. Uh, let's see here. Sun Ra, Steve Winwood. Oh, wow. Steve Winwood? Yeah. Joni Mitchell. Oh. Chuck Berry. Oh, sure. My dangalang. <laughs> really? That's what comes first for you? Uh, Nudie Cone. Elvis. Oh. oh, wow. Brian Jones. Joe Cocker. Woodstock in general. Yeah, all, <laughs> all these names make sense. Uh, David Crosby. <laughs> uh, Miles Davis. Those Neil Young people. wasn't on. Neil Young was not on during that time. I had him. Yeah, I had it. I, I had mean, the, the publication will be 53 this year, so wow. plenty Man. of. Wow. I find it interesting that Tina was on the cover 
back then. That's, she that's was on very the second cover. Rolling on the river, baby. I mean, no, I, she, she's deserving. Is just oh yeah, I find definitely. It interesting. No, and the reason why that song came in my head is I just finished listening to the uh, novelty songs episode of Hit Parade, and they talked about that song quite a bit in it, and so that's just why uh, when she said Chuck Berry, my dangling came into the head because, or in my head, wow, <laughs> my dangling came into the head, huh, Chris? I'm out. Good night, everybody. So that is your warm-up question. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, I loved it. Yeah. Before we go on, uh, a quick reminder for all of our awesome patrons, and you are awesome and we appreciate you. Please make sure that you have unblocked or made sure that you have given permission to receive emails from K-A-T-I-E at TrivialWarfare.com. We've had a number of situations where Katie is trying to reach out to invite people to come on the show, but um, they haven't either responded. We don't know if they've gotten the message, and we're worried that people... We know that there are some people who didn't, and were blocked by spam. So, please make sure that you give permission for Katie at TrivialWarfare.com to send you emails in order for us to get you on the show like we want to. Yes, please come on my show. That's right. <laughs> All right. That is enough announcements. Today's game, it's Jonathan and Ben versus Chris and William. Carmela's hosting, and it's time to play the game. Play us. Oh, yeah. Y'all know what time it is. This is Mr. Literateur himself, cordially inviting you to the game. This is six rounds of trivia goodness. Three questions per round. Every right answer gets you 10 points. In the middle, we'll take a pause for the cause and ask a midpoint question worth up to 20 juicy points. After round six, you can wager any or all those points you've been building up and take a shot at the final round. It's a series of theme-based questions we call the gauntlet. It's just that easy, baby. But this game ain't gonna play itself, players. Let's get it on. All right. Your first category in round one is a mean one. A mean or meme? Mean, as in you're mean. You're mean. What classic horror actor narrated the 1966 version of How the Grinch Stole Christmas? Chris, I got this one, I think. Oh, you want to lock in and let Jonathan and Ben talk about it, or do you want to talk about it? If you're okay with me locking in... I kind of want to hear their commentary. Okay. I'm, I'm fine with it. I, one, William, I trust you. And two, I have an idea, but I'm not like, I'm not confident. And I don't know how much I'd help in this situation. So, okay. All right. We're locked in then. Come on, brain. Get moving here. I ain't got time for all this. Does your brain need to brain better? My- <sighs> ben, the first thing Ben wrote down was Vincent Price. Yeah. And. We both agree that's possible, but I don't know that he's been in that many horror movies. He just has that vibe about him, and it was really mm-hmm. early for his career f- yep. for that to be the case. So I'm trying to think of the two doggone names of the famous horror actors from the Dracula, the Wolfman, and all that stuff. And I have Bella Lugosi down, and I can't think of the other actor's name who did all those movies. Uh, by the way, I also thought of Thorough Ravenscroft, but because he mm. sang the song, but I don't think that he. I don't think he was did the voice singer. voice and narrated right. and sang. And I'm really worried that it's the other guy. Mm. So that's what we're struggling with right now. But Lon Chaney, Lon Chaney is the other guy's name. Okay. Uh, and the junior is there's a Lon Chaney Junior. Mm-hmm. Um, so which one you want to go with? Bella Lugosi, I believe. 
I don't think he was faking the accent. I think he had a European accent, like a east, a middle, a, a okay. Eastern European accent. All right. So I'd be more comfortable going with Lon Chaney. Okay. But There's I'm no worried that it might be Lon Chaney Jr. Uh, they reference in Werewolves of London. They reference Lon Chaney Jr. because he was popular enough as a horror actor. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I'm going to have that song stuck in my head now. Thanks, Jonathan. Lon Chaney <laughs> Jr. walking with the queen. Doing the werewolves of London. What is an Uncle Cracker? Thanks for bastardizing that song. Wow. It's just a better version of Sweet Home Alabama. Why would you talk about like that? <laughs> wow. <clears throat> Not touching that one. Um, <laughs> Lon Chaney or Lon Chaney Jr. You know what? Let's do Lon Chaney. Okay. All right. We're locked in with Lon Chaney. All right, William. All right, so okay. William, before you say your answer, I I wrote down Boris Karloff. Oh, the other other one. So I originally did the whole Vincent Price thing, thinking you know thriller, and maybe he did this too. And then I remember this came up in trivia for me just recently, and I am about ninety nine percent sure it's Boris Karloff. Oh. All right, so we would have been on the same page. That's the good part. Famously, good Frankenstein's call. monster it was Boris Karloff. Yes. <laughs> Man. I think it was Paul Robeson who did the the You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch song. No, Could be wrong about definitely that. definitely Thurl Ravenscroft. He's the same guy who did Tony the Tiger. I'll bet you $100 right now. Well, hold on. We got the technology. We can we can make this happen. <laughs> I, seem to, I seem to remember Paul Robeson doing something with it. Maybe he wrote it. Thurl Ravenscroft did actually sing it. And uh, is he credited for writing it? I don't know. Well, no, I'm just... I'm saying it looks like they're crediting him for writing. Well, maybe it, so he wrote it. Well, okay. Anyway. All right. So there you go. I guess there's a man- Mandela effect there for me. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. All right. I'm going to uh, credit Trashy Divorces for helping me uh, for the uh, inspiration for this question. Is that a website? No, it is a podcast that oh, okay. I enjoy listening to. Oh. Um, Hi, I- Trashy Divorces. <laughs> Hi, Stacey and Alicia. I met them at She Podcast. They're very nice. Oh, cool. So here's your obligatory sports question. The father of this American tennis superstar is a former Olympian that represented Iran in the 1948 and 1952 Olympics as a boxer. Who is the tennis player? Read it again, please. The father of this American tennis superstar is a former Olympian that represented Iran in the 1948 and 1952 Olympics as a boxer. Who is the tennis player? I'm looking at them in my mind trying to say, okay, which one of these guys looks like they have Iranian descent? It was tough. And that one actually, he knew he looks more like that. <laughs> Did you say boxer? The father was a boxer. He oh. was an Olympic boxer. But I the, missed that. He, the tennis player is the American superstar. And you said 1948, correct? Yeah, he, uh, the father represented Iran in the 48 and 52 Olympics. We're going to lock in. Okay, Chris. First of all, tennis is something I know like next to nothing about but i seem to remember andre agassi had uh or he was of armenian descent i think and uh his name used to be agassian and i guess that's close enough to iran to make me think that that's a reasonable answer you think it's uh i think it's pronounced agassi I don't know that that just shows how little I know about this. <laughs> well, the only the only concern I have with that is and that's why I was asking for clarification on the years the 48 and 52 because probably that means he was boxing for them probably 18 19 20 and Agassi is in his 50s right now. 
but I can't think of anybody else because I was thinking, I mean, didn't look like Patrick McEnroe or John McEnroe for that matter, although that would be kind mm-hmm. of funny. I don't know why I credited the the lesser talented McEnroe first, but sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> He's the more likable one. Patrick's yeah. a nice guy. Why are you bothering him? I'm good with going with Agassi, but it's just like I said, my only concern with it is that just to me, the dates aren't lining up. Yeah, I hear you, but that's all I got. <laughs> okay, fair enough. We're going to stick with the uh, true trivia professional, William, and go with uh, Andre Agassi as our answer. All right. Yeah, so I was trying to first attack this from the math route. So 48 and 52, typically those boxers are young, so we figured the dad must have been born around 1930, which means that his child would have been born probably in a range of 60 to 70, which means that they will be in their 50s today. So that's kind of where we started. And their prime would have been in the early 90s. It would have been in the 90s, right? Yeah. So we're thinking, okay, big superstars in the early, maybe mid-90s. And we really only wrote down two names. Yeah, we started with Agassi because, you know, that sounds like it would be from the Middle East. But then mm. you wrote down Pete Sampras, which also has this kind of Middle Eastern sounding name. Well, not just that, but he visually. Yes, that too. When we looked at them in our minds, Agassi... Doesn't necessarily. So he has an Italian sounding last name. Yeah. And he has like And he has a white boy hair, face. Brownish straight hair, whereas Sampras has some ethnicity to him. And had some black curly hair, yeah. which is more Middle Eastern. And you want to yeah. talk about a fantastic tennis player. Oh, one of the, he was oh, the yeah, best. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. we locked in Sampras. Yep. All right. So you are correct that the father was born in 1930. Okay. It's actually uh, Christmas Day, 1930. He will be 90 years old this year. Awesome. Oh, so still alive. The, the superstar is actually the youngest of four children. Born in 1970, and this Andre Agassi. Oh, yeah, the wrong one. Oh, he will be right. 50 this year. Uh, so, and you are correct. The last name actually used to be uh, Agassian. Wow! Oh, wow. nice. Oh. <laughs> That's wow. Uh, a weird Wikipedia rabbit hole. His name was Emmanuel Agassian, and he changed his name to Mike when he moved to the United States. If I'd have known his last name was Agassian instead of Agassi, I would have thought it might be Italian. I still like our logic. I love our logic. We just got it wrong. So uh, I found out through listening to this episode, it actually features the divorces of Andre Agassi and Brooke Shields, as well as Tatum O'Neill and John McEnroe, since you Mm. mentioned McEnroe. Mike, uh, the father, actually built this tennis machine that would would pitch different kinds of tennis serves to Andre to train him when he was a little kid. Okay. (laughs) So that's cool. Yeah. So actually like custom built a machine to train his son. That's nifty. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Now and now he's married to uh, Steffi Graf and has she a prefers kids Stephanie, again. but yes. Steph- oh, is it Stephanie? Oh, Stephanie yeah, now? she does prefer Stephanie. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. She's a grown ass woman. Yeah. I, I they, hear you, but they built, a, they built a school. I think it's like a magna charter school in Las Vegas for yeah. like, underprivileged oh, children. He does a lot of charity work for, with underprivileged children. Yeah, he's lived in Las Vegas pretty much his whole life. And thankfully, that is one of the dudes that has beaten drugs. So thank God for that, because I just read an article a couple weeks ago about oh, really? how bad his drug use got at one point in time. Wow. So Yeah, he hid it from Brooke Shields. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was one of the core reasons why they got divorced, if wow. I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. All right. Your last question in the round is, let's get in rotation. <laughs> We are coming up on an election with a possibility of a new person in the White House. In 1881, the United States had three different presidents in the White House. Name two of them. No bonus points for a third. But I would, I would lock in those two for the sure. Okay. We're locked in. We're locked in. 
Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. I put the wrong. We're unlocking. It's that's the last name. Oh, he's he's locking in. That's the right one. Thank you. Okay. All right. So eighty-one. You had a uh, Carter. Exiting said White House. I think it's 18, 1881. Oh, you said eighteen eighty one. I did. Oh, I like, I like this logic. <laughs> Let me cross that out real quick. <laughs> but I, there's a possibility that there's three in that one because I can't remember when uh, Reagan was shot. I'm pretty sure so, Reagan got inducted. But he didn't inducted. die until after he left he didn't office. Die, but <laughs> when he was in the hospital, didn't the Twenty Fifth Amendment kick in and Bush was pseudo president for that period of time? No. I don't know. Okay. No. Anyway. Absolutely not. Yeah. Anywho. All right, then. All right. I think it's, so, uh, 1881. James Garfield and Chester Arthur, I think, are the two lock. Yeah, 100%. I don't remember who the first one was. Uh, I think that was uh, – who was the one that was president twice? Was that Grover Cleveland? Not, was that Grover Cleveland? I, th- I think it was the, the term before Cleveland. I think Cleveland came in 88. Gosh, it would have been like Benjamin Harrison or something. Well, it doesn't really matter because uh, you're right. It, it's Garfield and it's um, Arthur. Arthur, yeah. yeah. So that's what we're. Lo- uh, so if you're good, we'll lock those suckers in. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. All right. Lock those suckers in. <laughs> we uh, we also went the Garfield and, and uh, Arthur route, and uh, the person who preceded Garfield would have been Hayes. So in 1881, it was a inauguration year. So Hayes was leaving office. Garfield was sworn in and uh, was unfortunately assassinated and died of an infection about mm, six months into his presidency. Yep. And Chet Arthur took over. Dear Chet God. Arthur is Dear president. Dear God, Chet Arthur is in the White House. <laughs> Candace Millard wrote a fantastic book on this, and I'm trying to remember the name of it. Uh, I think it's something of the Republic, but it's just if you ever get a chance to read it, it's just it's really I've read really a couple good. books on Garfield there there he's was an interesting person he uh, he so. loved his lasagna he's actually the only person to be elected while serving in the House of Representatives yes so there's that yep and while he was in there he uh like confirmed a the Pythagorean like oh yeah thing yeah uh, yeah some kind of geometry he was doing proofs yeah, yeah proofs Proof that's what I was looking Pythagorean for theorem. yep I remember yeah. reading that at the end of the first round 30 to 10 William and Chris are off to a strong start. Your first category in round two is kid stuff. Kid stuff. Atari co-founder Nolan Bushnell went on to found what American restaurant chain that brought entertainment to some children and nightmares to others? (laughs) I think it's this one. Makes sense. I'm just worried that it might be this one, but I would go with that one. I'm with you. All right. We're locked in. All right. William, I believe it's Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, they gave me nightmares. That stupid rat. From the time I was six to the time I was like eight years old. Yep. Yeah. I order- would say it's Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, in order to get to the video games, you had to go near the rat, and it was scary. I know, right? Yeah. All right, we're locked the in. Showtime band, or what oh. was it? Showbiz band? Yeah, I think it was the no, Showbiz band. that was band. a different restaurant. Oh, Showbiz. So showbiz right, yeah. Pizza was a restaurant. Yeah. Oh, Okay. Anyway, but I, thanks. I, we, I guess we haven't really given our answer, but appreciate it. You, you've already said anyway. your answer. You guys just dither five minutes after you say your answer. <laughs> Don't be rude. <laughs> it's color commentary. For real. Anyway, we're locked in with Chuck E. Cheese. All right. We also went with Mr. Charles Cheese. Charles E. Cheese. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you know what the E stands for? I'm guessing like, uh, you know what? I Cheesy? used to. No, no. E. It it uh, Entertainment. Entertainment Charles Cheese. Charles Entertainment Cheese. Wow. Wow. So it is Chuck E. Cheese. 
Uh, inspiration for Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> the horror video game. So Nolan Bushnell, uh, you know, of course, Atari co-founder, he wanted to bring video games and arcades kind of out of kind of out of pool halls and stuff and more child friendly. So that's why he oh, helped okay. start cool. Chuck E. Cheese. So, but that is uh, that is the correct answer. And it's still yet to meet a kid that does not want to go there. My little sister had her first few birthdays at Chuck E. Cheese, and I'm mm-hmm. like 16, yeah. <laughs> just hanging out at Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, you were like done with it. <laughs> Can we eat some food that's not made of cardboard, please? <laughs> Your next category. I've had a perfectly wonderful evening, but this isn't it. <laughs> um, I need to write that down. I need to share that with a friend. I, I, I have a friend who is... Who is um, who is upset because she, uh, she goes on a lot of like one-off dates mm-hmm. from dating apps and stuff. And she says, whenever they ask if I want to go out again, and I say, no, it's really an awful feeling because you see this look in their face and it feels really bad. And I'm thinking that would be a great way to say it. That'd be so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, did you have a good time? Well, I've had a perfectly wonderful evening, but this wasn't it. <laughs> Johnny Carson hosted his first Tonight Show in 1962. What game show host and vaudeville star was his first guest? I don't know that as a fact, but it hits both of the categories of information that she just gave us. I ain't got no idea, bro. Let's do it. All right, we're locked in. Any ideas, William? I have like a, I wrote down two names, so. So I know the quote is Groucho Marx. Yep. I think it was Night at the Opera. So did Groucho Marx ever host a game show? Yes, he did. Uh, you Bet Your Life. Then that's my best guess. Yep, I, I think you're 100% right. All right, we're locked in with Groucho Marx. I picked up on the same thing. It sounded like Marx, and then she said game show host. I knew about You Bet Your Life. I was like, Marx was around in the vaudeville period. It's almost certain that he did vaudeville, so we said Groucho Marx. This is a quote. I've had a perfectly wonderful evening, but this isn't it from Groucho Marx. I wish I need I need to get like an Duck hour-long soup, video man. of the best of Groucho Marx. I'm I bet, sure I would it's bet probably I would on YouTube. roll laughing. I'm sure it's on YouTube. He's a very, but... very funny man, and just like very, very funny people, a lot of very, very funny people, he suffered with depression for a good part of his Aww. life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, which which is down. where, th- I think where that sarcasm comes from. <laughs> 100%. I always get him confused with Karl Marx. Yeah. <laughs> Two completely different people. Well, you know, also, also not to be confused with his four brothers, the Marx brothers. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Karl Marx and his four brothers, the founders of communism. Harper, Zeppo, and Chico. It's like the, the Marxian five. Your last category in the round was, well, that was unexpected. Chuck Berry is probably the most influential musician in early rock music. Despite this, he only had one number one hit in his career. It happened in 1972. <laughs> What was the song? <laughs> I really wish I saved that until later. That would have been fantastic. Hey, we're going to lock in with the answer that Chris gave us earlier. Okay. Um, which I would not have gone with otherwise, but I don't see why not. We're locked in. Okay. Interesting. Uh, do you think it was it? The I dingling? Don't, I don't or? think it was my dingling, to be honest with you. We're about to find out. I I'm know, putting right? my money on the fact that it came up in your show being the reason that it was. Well, they were just talking about novelty acts, but I think the last time a novelty act was number one, uh, they said bef- before a certain period of time, was uh, the Alvin and the Chipmunks uh, Christmas song. Oh, yeah. Christmas, Christmas time is here. Anyway. <laughs> So, I still want the hula hoop. 
Wow. That was outstanding. Wow. That was great. Oh. That was very cool. I mean, he credited himself for being the uh, uh, the pioneer of rock and roll for the longest time. So I don't know. I mean, it's I because guess he was. <laughs> well, I, I, Chuck Berry 100% was. Keith, Keith Richards said, yeah. I stole every lick he ever played. As far as guitar playing, it was him and Bo Diddley. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm happy. Uh, well, wow, I was about to say I'm happy to go with my. <laughs> what was the category again? Well, that was unexpected. Yeah, yeah I, it almost I yeah with that category name too. and with that. That's why I went with it. Uh, and that sucks that I gave Jonathan ten points if that ends up being. Thing, well, so. you stole ten points if it's wrong though. That's fair. Well, so we, that's our fortunes true. rise and fall together. Let's let's do it. All right, we're locked in with my dangling. So my dangling so is locked in. We did lock in with my <laughs> dangling because Chris mentioned it earlier, and the category name p- took me to that. Like that would be really unexpected because he had Maybelline. Right. He had. But I think that's all early. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. But this is not the the answer I would have given if not for you. Oh, that naming thanks. it. So you, we you, locked you in with my dangle. <laughs> Dingling. I'll kick you in your dingling. <laughs> so I re-listened to this song yesterday because I hadn't heard it in a long time. And I was like, yeah, he yeah, went, that's weird. He, he went there. <laughs> and he held on to it when he fell off that wall. It's my dingling. Yeah. <laughs> he hung on to that dingling. Uh, yeah, that was his only number one was my dingling. Uh, William, Thank I'm you, sorry. Chris. Thank you, dude. I'm sorry, William. Uh, that's all good. I'm glad we got you the You said that earlier. I'm like, mother. <laughs> you know what that's that's an interesting thing to observe is that a man who's credited with founding rock and roll had to write a song about his junk to go to number one it was, honestly it was a cover it oh, was okay. he didn't write the song that see that's oh. even makes it even more interesting hey it happened again not with a founder of rock and roll but fergie did the same thing 50 years later yeah, she went to number one with her humps yeah yeah her lovely mm-hmm. lady hunts. And, and it was about silver bells yes, on a that's, string. That's what it was about. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, so it's the, the the song was released as a live version because he would do it during shows, and you know he he gets the crowd in, and it's mm-hmm. go go YouTube it. It's, it's funny. funny. It's funny. <laughs> At the end of the second round, sixty to forty, uh, Chris and William have a perfect game. See what he, see what he did there. First category in round three is sometimes you're right. This Nobel Prize winning author became paranoid later in his life and believed that the FBI was watching him. Turns out the FBI did actually have an open file on the author during World War II, and J. Edgar Hoover had an agent watching him while he was living in a communist country. Who is the author? Yeah, let's go with that. We're locked in. We're locked in. All right, Chris. I immediately wrote down Hemingway. That was what I came to as well, because I think he spent time in Cuba. Yep. And she did um, say communist country, didn't she? She didn't say which. I thought he did some stuff in Spain right before World War II. And... Yeah, he did. There's actually a movie out uh, that Nicole Kidman and I cannot remember who else it was that was based on it that HBO did a few years ago. But it talked about his time in World War II. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm good with Hemingway. You want to lock in? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it, sir. Okay. We're going to lock in with Ernest Hemingway. So with um, the Nobel Prize part of that, You've really narrowed down the field to to a few people. From there, I I felt really strongly that Hemingway was a Nobel winner. 
I know that he had the situation where he either faked his own death or where he had been reported to be dead and was really torn up about the reactions to him. Actually, if I'm not crazy, now that I think about it, I think he won the Nobel after people thought he was dead and he was still alive. And it was there was some story, some story behind that. I can't remember exactly what it was, uh, but we went anyway. Fun fact, you cannot win the Nobel if you are dead. Really? Yep. Oh, interesting. You have to be alive to win the Nobel Prize. Well, then I must have some of that story mixed up. So the FBI had a file open on this person because during World War II, uh, he had a, a boat called the Pilar, and he would kind of sail up and down uh, the Cuba and Florida coast and to monitor for U-boats, quote-unquote. And J. Edgar Hoover had someone watch him while he was living in Havana, Cuba. It is Ernest Hemingway. Nice. Nice. At the time that he believed that the FBI was watching him, though, uh, was in the last couple years of his life, and the FBI was not watching him at that time. (laughs) They were basically busy playing with all the six-fingered cats. Well, his last few years in life, it was real tough Yeah, he was real bad. Yeah. He survived multiple plane crashes. Like, Mm -hmm. he was in, like, three plane crashes. One of those is the one I'm thinking about. Yeah, where they thought he had died and he didn't die. And the last one really messed him up. But when he left Cuba, because uh, all the Americans were getting out of Cuba, he thought he was coming back. So he just left everything. Mm. Um, and it's all still there. Like he left the windows open, left the door open. And uh, so you can actually, like if you go to where his house was in Cuba, everything is still open. They just left it the way it was. No kidding. They didn't, they didn't ransack wow. it and take all the stuff? Not that I'm aware of. They've, they've done some restoration to it, but they've pretty much left everything the way that it was. Wow. Well, I knew he had so including all that's... of his writing that was just kind of like wasting away in there. What a cool thing. Huh. I did visit his house in Key West. We did we did a tour of the yeah. house that he owned in Key West. Still a lot of cats there, right, Ben? Yes, absolutely. A lot of cats. Was married four times. He was kind of a jerk. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think he struggled with mental illness really bad. Yeah, he was also a raging alcoholic. alcoholic. Yeah. That too, yes. So, yeah, and um, he was part of the lost generation of writers. I'm glad somebody found him. Yeah, well, you know, they found him in a Mayo Clinic. <laughs> <laughs> Your next question is in the category of surreal estate. <laughs> what spoofster who passed in 2010 has the phrase letter rip written on their headstone? Y'all know I love funny headstones. We are locked in. All right. Okay. William, what's your thought process? Uh, my thought process is I reach into my big bag of nothing and pull out nothing. All right. Uh, then let me tell you what I thought then. Because uh, okay. I actually had a couple ideas. Uh, first one was William Gaines, and uh, he was the uh, creator of Mad Magazine. Uh, yeah. And uh, so that was kind of going with the spoof portion of it. But Letter Rip doesn't make any sense. And then also in 2010, I think it was around the same time that Leslie Nielsen passed away. Yes. Yes, it was. And you want to talk about a person that um, definitely liked the spoof things. I mean, that that was the guy. But the problem is, is that just the Letter Rip doesn't... You know what? I am like 75 percent sure i've seen this headstone before and i was just racking my brain to think of who it was and i'm pretty sure it is leslie nielsen oh okay Uh, that that makes a lot of sense okay i'm glad it makes sense to you because it does not make sense to me and hopefully carmella can uh if it is him can uh shed some light on it because yeah but yeah if you're good with it we'll go ahead and lock that in yeah let's do it all right leslie nielsen 
We couldn't make the letter rip part work either. Mm-mm. But um, I started listing out spoofs, and the timing felt right. So we locked in Leslie Nielsen. I've used surreal estate before to talk about other gravestones, like Raji Dangerfield says, there goes the neighborhood. Yep. Mm-hmm. So apparently, uh, from what I read, this person had said that that's what they wanted on their headstone during some interview. <laughs> and someone out there will probably correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but it is indeed Leslie Nielsen. Nice. Nice work. Your last category in the round is science. Science. And history. History. Maybe I'll be of use for once in this game. <laughs> what large cat species native to Asia was kept by ancient Romans in menageries and often were used in the arena to fight humans and other animals? Can you repeat, please? Sure. What large cat species native to Asia was kept by ancient Romans in menageries and were often used in the arena to fight humans and other animals? Exactly what's trying to be gleaned by that, which is why I put this clarifier. It checked all the same boxes for me. I've been trying to think of things, other things that it could be. So, for example. All right, we're locked in. All right, so I was thinking Persians, you know, just like to go out there and just start purring. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so they're Persians. They locked Persians in menageries. That's awesome. They, they wound you with their disapproving gaze. <laughs> oh, I love the slow pitch softball I gave you. That's fantastic. God, I, I've got like three choices here, and they all seem to pan out. Like okay. cat species native to Asia. I mean, that could be lions, tigers, jaguars. Oh, my. Or not not jaguars, leopards. But, I mean, tigers are from Asia. I'm 99% sure they're native to Asia. I know there are lion species native to Asia that are still out there in, like, India. But I also know that there was a, there was a European species of lion that were hunted to extinction around that time. So I don't know if it was like European lion or something like that. I wrote down tiger. Yeah. I think tiger is probably the best answer. Okay. Um, I was thinking lion might be a red herring, but, or might be the answer and tiger might be a trap, but you know what? Let's just go with it. I could tell you without a shadow of doubt, the answer is not red herring. But they're so delicious. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I mean, it's just like, unless, I mean, uh, unless your gut's telling you to go lion, I say, let's just go tiger. Let's go tiger. All right. We're locked in. All right. So we had a similar conversation. My mind immediately went to tiger. We know that they are from Asia. When she said menagerie, one of the things I think of when I think of animals in a menagerie, tiger is one of the first animals that come to mind with that. Why has that been? I used to play uh, a city building game that was set around ancient China and they were actually one of your tasks or one of your goals was to build a menagerie and get like pandas and tigers and all the native animals there. Interesting. Okay. So menagerie that that comes to mind. And then we also referenced movie gladiator and I'm like, well, I don't know if the movie's accurate, but Russell Crowe definitely killed a tiger in that movie. We, We felt like lions were African jaguars and panthers are actually U S or, or North American or South American. And um, who? What was the other one? Mountain, oh, mountain lions. lions. That's definitely that's definitely North American too. So we, I mean, we really only had one choice because we didn't think it was going to be ocelot or something small like that. Yep. So we locked in with Bengal tigers. So this cat is only native to Asia, and that would be tigers. I will accept Bengal tigers. Woo-hoo! 
So uh, lions, right. there were some species of lion in Europe, um, as well as in Africa. Leopards were also found in Asia, Europe, and Africa. And you're right, jaguars and mountain lions, those are all the Americas. So tiger is the only one that fits everything that I had. With a score of 90 to 70 and still a perfect game, Chris and William <laughs> have the lead. Your midpoint category is you're in my bubble. You're in. There are some very populous cities out there in the world. I would like you to tell me the city with the largest population in these four countries. India, the United States, Australia, and Brazil. All right. So are we talking about metropolitan areas or city proper? I would say city proper, um, but this is all based off of worldatlas.com. So... Okay, so that's probably city proper. Okay, so you're going to do this, this, this. All right, we're locked in. So let's let's see if we line up. I got, for India, I'd say Mumbai is probably the biggest. For America, it's New York. For Australia, I said Sydney. And then for Brazil, I had Sao Paulo. Oh, you had Sao Paulo. Okay, because see, I had Mumbai. Actually, we were lockstep for the first uh, first three, and then Brazil, I had Rio de Janeiro. I debated that a bit. I think it might be Sao Paulo now. Okay. I have a little bit of thunder on that, but okay. not no, no, no. an I, exceeding I, I, amount. I would trust you over me. I say let's go for it then. Real quick, you said that that, that was the, uh, this year's Atlas? Uh, according right. to worldatlas.com, which should have the most updated. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Yeah, let's go Mumbai, New York, Sydney, and Sao Paulo. Locked in. So, Ben, I have a great poker face. Okay. Mom, you know mom, how I know mom, that? Because nobody could tell the crushing defeat that I felt when they said Sao Paulo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we went with, <laughs> we went with uh, Mumbai, New York City, Melbourne, and Rio de Janeiro. So the most populous city in India is Mumbai with 18.4 million. Wow. I'm so glad we said that instead of uh, New Delhi. The most Eight. populous city in the United States is New York City with 8.3 million. The most populous in Australia is Sydney oh, with 4.3 million. And the most populous city in Brazil is Sao Paulo with yes. 10.6 million people. Wow. That's one of those cases, been for Sydney versus Melbourne, where I think we both had the same feeling of, well, she's not going to just give us the easiest city sure. to name for, for each one of these. Yeah. Or at least for, for Australia. So I don't know. Both... Melbourne's pretty big. Uh, honestly, I flipped <laughs> a coin between Sydney and Melbourne. That's, that's hard. The reason why I was confirmed in Sydney is because my friend Elaney lives in Sydney and continues to talk about it being the largest city in Australia beca- uh, because she's so tired of uh, how many people actually live there. And she wants people she's to She's tired of out. all the people. Yeah. So that's the only reason why I was like, I was pretty I was thinking that of, is because somebody lives there. I was thinking of like, okay, well... <laughs> The Olympics were in Sydney when they went there, but the Australia Open is played in Melbourne every year. So I was like, ah, but whatever. Well, at the end of the midpoint, 110 to 80, William and Chris haven't missed anything. I have a fun fact about India. So I work, well, I should say just a fun story. Because I work adjacent to IT, I have a lot of coworkers that are were born in India or from India. 
And um, we were talking a lot about how much I don't really like heavy, like very dense cities and how cramped New York felt to me just because there's so many people or Manhattan in particular. And my friend was like, well, India is like Manhattan, except everywhere. <laughs> in terms of how crowded the cities are. 18.4 oh, wow. million people live in Mumbai, and that's 10 million more than live in New York City. Yeah. Yeah. Literally that- take everybody in New York City. And have another one of them. Yeah. And then add a couple of million to that. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's massive. And is, is Mumbai the largest populous city in the world then? I think Mexico City is still. Uh, I have no idea. Uh, give me a second. Yeah, I think, I think it is Mexico City. It was 25 million by my last count. Oh, what, goodness oh, what, gracious. There could, wow. I'm thinking probably something like Jakarta or somewhere down in Indonesia is probably bigger than that. Oh, this, yeah. The stuff in Southeast Asia, those, those cities are huge. Yeah. Tokyo with 39 million residents. Good Lord. Oh, Good Lord have mercy. Oh, That's intense. Gosh. Elaine, you better not move to Tokyo, bro. Your first category round four is This Girl is on Fire. This girl is on fire. Alicia Keys is known for her piano playing. However, when she got the role for of June Boatwright in The Secret Life of Bees, she had to learn this upright string instrument in about four weeks. Upright string instrument. Mm-hmm. Well, well, let's think. I mean, that thing's bigger than she is. I have two thoughts debating in my mind. I haven't seen the movie, but the music that they will be required to play is more likely to be this instrument. But something that you could reasonably learn in four weeks is more likely to be that instrument. Uh, I don't. She's a music genius. I, okay, I understand. We, we can't judge her based on that. <laughs> I, Yes, I can. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> don't, don't tell Ben what to do. Let me, let me, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. I apologize. <laughs> I would like to say, I think it would be a mistake for us to assume that our limitations are the same as her limitations. Ooh, that was really well said, Jonathan. I, no, I, I hear you there. But even for a genius, is going is more likely that a musical genius would pick this up in four weeks than that. I'm also concerned that she couldn't reach the, reach the top of that. Oh, so because the, these are smaller, you're saying? Uh-huh. Yeah, I like that. Okay, we're locked in. Okay. Have you seen this movie? Uh, sadly, I have not. I've heard really good things about it. It's a good it, movie. Though, yeah. You should watch it. <laughs> oh, God. I, I have... want to watch it. Just haven't watched it. There's a lot of movies out there. Yeah, the two things I wrote down was the cello and the bass. Yep, that, that was what I had. And then just now I thought of harp. Oh, but that's nifty. I don't know. Harp's har- really hard to learn. True, but again, I, as per like the conversation that Jonathan Ben had, I wouldn't throw that past her one bit. Right. I think double bass would probably be the easiest to learn out of those. Bear with me, because I might be going down a rabbit hole that doesn't need to. But uh, be, uh, the Secret Life of Bees. Any chance? Buzz, buzz. What would I mean? What, what, what out of the three? What sounds more like bees? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Carmel just gave me a face. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that's a bad logic. I just didn't think of it. Like, oh. We didn't think. We thought of that too. Flight of the ball. Be the famous great, word. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, bass kind of has that reverberation that yeah. has the kind of might sound like a bee. Yeah, I don't know. But she's not all about that bass. That's Megan Trainer. Mm, she's got a little bit of treble. <laughs> Yeah, let's just choose one because we really don't know the answer and it's kind of silly to Yeah, let's do double base. Okay. What do All you right. think? Yeah, that sounds good to me, sir. 
Okay, we're going to lock in with double base. Yeah, we, uh, we hotly debated this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wrote down wrong. Well, I wrote down bass and viola initially, and then Jonathan's like, no, you're thinking of cello because the viola is not an upright. So cello. So then we were like, okay, well, it's our debate around the four weeks was even for a genius, a musical genius, it's more likely that they will be able to learn to play bass in four weeks than cello because there's fewer strings and you're plucking it. Well, so I guess some people use the the thing. Depends on the song. Depends on the song, but I mean, bass is fewer strings. But then he was like, well, I'm concerned that she wouldn't be able to reach the top of the bass because of how small she is and how big the bass is. And we said cello music is more likely to be in a movie about bees than bass. So we went with cello. My sister plays the viola. Looks like a really big violin. Okay. And then it, it sits on your shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Alicia Keys learned the cello in about yes. four weeks. Oh, there you go. Sorry. No, that's okay. That is okay. We didn't have a firm answer on it, so it happens. Our but. long national nightmare is over. <laughs> but again, it's my favorite Lionel Richie song. Cello. Oh my god. Is it me you're looking for? Has Jello ever used that as an advertising campaign? It really should. Your next category is don't call collect. Presidents have been making historic phone calls since Rutherford B. Hayes had a phone installed in the Oval Office back in the 1870s. Who was the first president to call the moon? What was the category name? Don't call collect. Those would be some wicked charges. Could have named it. Baby, don't lose my number. I was thinking about long distance phone call, but. We're locked in. The first lunar flight and landing was in 1969. Right. When was the last? I think it was 74. Okay. Because so, I think it was only like a five-year stint. It's either 74 or 76. Mm-hmm. But I wrote down Nixon almost immediately because, again, the funny part is is that I think the landing was on June 20th, 1969, because I remember my mom, uh, my parents' anniversary was the 20, June 20th, and they got married in 1968, and she said that they spent the first anniversary watching the lunar landing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I immediately wrote down Nixon, and so just because he was in that m- the most the most years during that span. Yeah, that was the only president I think who was in office anytime there was anyone on the moon. Yeah, as that's far what as I, was I know. too. Yeah. So you good? I'm good with that. Yeah, because I was just kind of surprised to have them talking back and forth as much as they did. Because I mean, unless we missed something in the question, but we can find out. <laughs> Yeah, let's go with that then. All right, we're locked in with Nixon. Was it specifically to the moon? First president to call the moon. The moon. We didn't consider how many people had been on the moon and when they stopped landing. Yeah, that was a good way to attack it. Should have. We were focused more on the technology of it being a phone call. So a television broadcast is not a phone call. Right. Using radio from earthbound signals to communicate with things in outer space is not a phone call. Right. Right. So we were saying that a phone call would have had to be a satellite call, not a cell tower on earth. So we were caught up in technology with the first communication satellites going up. And that's why we had such a debate about oh, okay, all the okay. rest of it. Cause we were mm-hmm. trying to, what, one thing we we're trying to figure out is it's likely that the president would have had that technology much sooner than when it was rolled out to the public because, it, for example, the Internet's been around since the 60s. So I, I was thinking that we probably need to shoot earlier. But but neither one of us wanted to say Nixon because we were thinking that it had to be a later technology for it to be a phone call. 
So we ended up going with Reagan. So the first phone call, as it was recorded in the National Archives, happened in July 1969 Correct. with the Apollo 11 astronauts, and it was Richard Nixon. Good job. I guess uh, it's interesting. I wonder what the technology was. It was a, from what I looked at now, like I said, the National Archives says recorded as a phone call, which is why I, I wrote agree. it the way I did. It says what it says, yeah. no doubt. I wonder what technology it was. So he was in the Oval Office on the phone, and they I, they used radio transmission from the phone call. So basically it's like when you put two phones together and you talk them to them like that. So basically I think they kind of held it up to the radio while they were talking. So he yeah. made a phone call, but yeah. it was radio technology used to reach them and he reach back. But they Houston, called it a phone call. Houston. Jonathan, actually what it really was, was it was two tomato cans with a really long <laughs> piece of string. <laughs> 240,000 miles to be exact. Right. The National Archives calls it a phone call. I, I'm not arguing it. Yeah. And also, I mean, it's just like you can't call the moon if, Nobody's there. It'll just keep ringing. That is the part that would have really <laughs> helped us to think of, Chris. Mm-hmm. I mean, the moon might have an answering machine. <laughs> You've reached the moon. <laughs> no one's here right now. But if you leave a detailed message, we will return your phone call eventually. <laughs> That's right. As soon as we get back from the dark side. That's right. Have a great moon day. <laughs> well, 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 is that like a weird Monday? <laughs> Moon day. Well, Happy that, Moon Day. Oh, you're having a case of the Moon Days. That, that is where... No, wait. Does that what? No. I don't remember where Monday comes from. <laughs> it might come from... It, it does come from Moon. Yeah, because yeah. Luna Day is... Oh, because Sunday. Is, uh, yeah. is Monday in Italian, I think. Mm. Yeah. Sunday, Moon Day. It, yeah, Luna, Happy Days. Monday is Luna... I think it's Lunas in Spanish. I think Monday is something like that. All right, your last question in the round is in the category of even Jonathan would have a problem reaching this. <laughs> it's another question about the moon, isn't it? <laughs> yes, can you reach the moon? No. Well, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Got it. <laughs> Charming. <laughs> what is the height of a regulation basketball hoop from the floor to the top of the rim? From the floor to the top of the rim? Yes. What is the regulation height of a basketball hoop? I have three meow meows. Meow meow. Meow meow. He had three of them, so keep hitting. No, it's, that's a three is a rating. It's not a, you know, you don't have to yeah, hit like, it Please, times. please, please don't hit that again. <laughs> 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 like, please don't. <laughs> We're locked in. William, I think it's 10 feet. I'm going to take your word for it because I have no idea. Okay, fair enough. So we're locked in with 10 feet. We also said 10 feet. I definitely couldn't reach it. It's 10 feet. Good job, Ben. I guess it depends on how much, uh, how long of a wingspan Jonathan has if he could touch it. Your wingspan from tip to fingertip to fingertip when stretched widewise is the same distance as your height from your for bottom mo- of for your most people. Top of your head. Not for Dikembe Mutombo. How do you know? Because you they, seen his arms? they measured him. Uh, yes. Yeah. Kevin Durant it, has like a seven and a half foot wingspan. Yeah. Actually, that's what I was going to bring up was Kevin Durant. I was watching, uh, I watch slow-mo guys' videos all the time. And I was rewatching an old one and it was, they did a, a video of Kevin Durant doing a slam dunk. And he's 6'9", but his wingspan is like 7.4. That's incredible. Wow. He's and- basically dragging his arms. <laughs> so it's about the same as your actual height, but it just depends on the length of your arms. But it, it's around that area. You're, you're basically a big square. You're, it's hip to be square. At the end of the fourth round, 130 to 110. Nope. 130 to 100 it's not a perfect game anymore but they're still beating the crap out of us ben i know it's my fault good scores though 
I don't know if 30 it's points is beating that crap. That's, that's still... It's still pretty close. Yeah. 30 points with two rounds to go is a great lead. Your first category in round five is what's in a name? What Disney cartoon animal has the middle name of Fauntleroy as we learn in a 1942 cartoon where they are drafted? We're locked in. All right. William, I think it's Donald Dunk. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. We're locked in. Let's lock in. Yes, sir. Also, as learned in episode two of Trivial Warfare. Just five years literally, ago. <laughs> literally, the cover image of the episode was Donald Duck. <laughs> By the way, happy fifth anniversary, Trivial That's Warfare. That's right. Back. Uh, yep, we said Donald Duck. Or as, or as Chris said, Donald Dunk. When he- <laughs> I heard that too. <laughs> uh, yes, it is Donald Fauntleroy Duck. His That voice is almost impossible to impersonate. Uh, Not without hurting your throat. <laughs> it's also changed that's, over time. That's true. It's not the same. It's, it isn't. Well, the it's same. not the same person, for sure. True. Same thing with with Porky Pig. You know, if you can make that voice, and you have job security, that's true. <laughs> you're not wrong. Wow. Oh boy! Your second category is on top of the World's Fair. The 1893 World's Fair in Chicago introduced the world to what amusement park attraction? Yep, I'm with you. We're locked in. I was thinking it could be a Ferris wheel. That's what I was thinking, too. Yeah. I don't know if they would have had a roller coaster back then, but I think Ferris wheel is probably the the closest I can get to it. Yeah, I would think that the first Ferris wheel or the first roller coasters would be a little more permanent than uh, a fair would probably have. So, yeah, yeah, if you're good with it, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. All right. Locked in with Ferris wheel. We went with Mr. Ferris's wheel. When you're at the top of it, you kind of feel like you're on top of the world. Ferris wheel. Oh, nice. Okay. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know those sound effects went together. Oh, I understand now. (laughs) We still have World's Fairs, by the way. Do we? Yeah. I would love to know where this year's is at. That's interesting. You don't have to look now. It's on Earth. Thank you. (laughs) It's called Expo 2020, and uh, looks like it's going to be in Dubai. Hmm. Wow. Hmm. Last year's was in Beijing. Your last category in the round is I hate to love you and I love to hate you. What Renaissance artist hated his most famous work so much that he wrote a poem about how much he hated it in 1509? <laughs> I think it's too late for the second one. I think 1509 is too late for the second one. No, definitely not. I get it mixed up. Maybe I'm thinking about the first one. I don't it think they were It might be too early for the first one. I don't know. This was one of the guys at the beginning. the The oldest one is is this one. He's the one that would have come first, but he was definitely alive and kicking and doing stuff at that time. Uh, he I might like have been the first later. answered only because I think it fits the question the best. Which of these is the most famous? Right, that's, that's my point. Fine, so it must mean, not be him. Right, that's what I'm saying. Cool. Then so, we're on the same page. Yeah, that that's what I, <laughs> whoever did that yeah. is that guy. That's, that's what I wanted to that's say. That guy. Yeah. Okay. Yes, that's that guy. Okay. <laughs> I was. I was. Everything you were saying made me feel like you were agreeing with me, yes. but I wasn't sure why you were doing it's it so strongly. Trying, because I don't. I don't. I'm not good at piecing the people together or what they did. I just know what they did. So I was. I, you were going through the front door. I was coming through the back door. Okay. And we met in the kitchen. Gotcha. We're locked in in the kitchen. Is it a nice kitchen? No. no, it's 500 years old. It's very dirty. <laughs> so, William, which Ninja Turtle did you want to go with? But I don't think it is a Ninja Turtle. Uh, uh, well, really? Well, no, actually, I take that back. There, uh, no, I was thinking it was Da Vinci. 
That's so, what I thought. Okay. That is yeah, a Ninja Turtle. I know. I realize that now. I, I was foolish. So, <laughs> I thought um, he was like, it's Splinter. <laughs> no, no, right. <laughs> because, again, you want to talk about the true renaissance, man. It was Da Vinci. I mean, he did everything. Right. So why wouldn't he write a poem about how much he didn't like the Mona Lisa? Yeah, I agree with that. The only thing I was wondering is what if it's Michelangelo? But I think they had that discussion talking about is it a sculpture or is it a painting? And it's like you couldn't pinpoint what the the favorite work of Michel or the the most famous work of Michelangelo is. I yeah. mean, it's either the David or the Sistine Chapel, yeah, or the Pieta. I, I completely. Oh yeah, that too. I completely agree with you on that. So I I think let's go with Da Vinci. Okay, we're locked in. Yeah, okay. we had a similar discussion. Uh, Jonathan wrote down. He wrote down Michelangelo first and then Da Vinci and then Raphael. And then I was like, first we were trying to pinpoint by year and that was disastrous. I felt good about the year. In my mind, okay, I was having turmoil. And then I was like, okay, there's a bunch of stuff that was done. And some one of these guys did multiple stuff. So it's debatable, for example, if once I figured out he told me Michelangelo did both David and Sistine Chapel, I'm like, there's going to be a debate about which one of those is more famous. So let's not go with that guy. Let's go with Da Vinci. And he had Da Vinci semi-locked in the whole time that I was rambling. So <laughs> we also locked in with Da Vinci. Famously, this artist argued with the commissioners pretty much the whole time he worked on this painting. It is the Sistine Chapel. Mm. Ooh. Oh, no. Michelangelo. He hated it so much that he literally wrote a poem about how much he hated it and sent it to his friend. <laughs> At the end of the fifth round, it's 150 to 120. Chris and William are in the lead. Your first category in round six is first ladies. Hello, ladies. How many first ladies have won a Grammy? In all cases, it was a Grammy for spoken word. Ben, I don't know. I mean, it is somewhere between 1 and 45. Yes. That's not necessarily true. You're right. It could be wrong. Because remember, Buchanan didn't have a wife. It is less than 100. (laughs) We're locked in. William, during this year's Grammys, uh, Michelle Obama just won one for, for Becoming. Before that, I don't know if Laura Bush won one. Gosh, I... Hillary. Oh, Hillary Clinton may have won one. Yeah, I think she won one. I, those are the only two like locks that I can think of. Okay, maybe Nancy Reagan. I don't. I mean, she she used to be an actress. Maybe might have done. She earned it for the just say no rap. Yeah, I'm. Oh, I don't. I don't think so. I think honestly, boys. I think it's. I think it's. Are you done? All right. I think it's just the two. Yeah, I'm good with that. I don't want to overthink it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Okay, so we're going to go with two. Michelle Obama. Well, you didn't ask for it, but Michelle Obama and Hillary Clinton. Well, since we just finished a bathroom conversation, Ben and I went with the deuce. We said two. Gross. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) So the first first lady to win a Grammy was Hillary Clinton. She won in 1997 for her book, It Takes a Village. She was, so she won it while she was a first lady. Michelle Obama won in 2020 for Becoming, which was after her time as first lady, but they are the only two first ladies to win yes. a Grammy. Also, both of their Good husbands job. have Grammys. Oh, that's right. So. Yeah. I also have a Grammy. I have two Grammys. Your grandma's? Grammy Oaks. <laughs> Grammy Marroquin. Yeah. Yeah. Never called any of my uh, grandmother's Grammy. I didn't either. Sadly, <laughs> both my Grammys are gone. Well, so, so are mine, but they were grandma and Nona. Uh, all of mine as well. <laughs> 
I just have my no no left. No. I love my no 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 no. <laughs> Your next category is ladies, man. Hello, ladies. <laughs> Hello, ladies. <laughs> what humorist patented a design for a bra clasp that modern day bras are based on in 1871? Currently, right now, Jonathan is whispering sweet bra nothings to Pentier. Uh, Reluctant. <laughs> hey, don't judge me. I'm not judging you. I'm just giving commentary. William, has to be Twain? That's the only person I could call a humorist from that era. Yeah, 1871 matches up. I had no idea he knew enough about bras to be able to create this, but rock on. Yeah, Maybe this is a new Madam, about Twain. This is too difficult. I've never heard. Are we overthinking? Are, yeah. are we underthinking? Yeah, let's, let's just go with it. That's all, right. all I can think of. Okay, we locked him with Twain. I honestly think that he must have just been frustrated at how hard it was to take him off. Mm. How am I supposed to do this without looking? Hello. Answer? Twain. <laughs> I thought he was going to write the answer. I, th- I was waiting for it too, Ben. So apparently before this, the clasps on the back of our bra were very similar to the way we buckle a belt. Ooh. And I'm sitting there thinking about how Ouch. difficult that, that would, would be suck. to put on. So, because, I mean, every, every person who wears a bra has a different method, but I, I'm, I'm the one who reaches behind myself to, to clasp. But it was indeed, well, technically it was Samuel Clemens who uh, filed the patent, but that is indeed Mark Twain. Very nice. Nice. Your last question before the gauntlet is in science. 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 What domesticated animal has around 22 vertebrae located in their tails? making up about 40% of the total vertebrae in their bodies. You say domesticated animal? Yes. What domesticated animal has around 22 vertebrae located in their tails, making up about 40% of the total vertebrae in their bodies? I don't, I don't know how you get anywhere else. I'm fine with it. Let's lock in. Okay, William. Gosh. Cat, cat dog? Uh, I've always cat dog. I like wondering all of a sudden. (laughs) I was trying to think: is there anything else we're missing? Gerbil hamsters? No. No, I I think cats probably. I mean, which animal has like the the most prehensile tail, like tail that can do a bunch of stuff? So dogs can just flatten out their tail and curl it up, but cats can like do stuff with it, make it into like a lightning bolt, smiley face. I don't I can know. Use it in charades. Cats probably is my best guess. Yeah, I mean, it's just so you want to go with cat. Yeah, All right, that's good enough for me. Sounds good. We're locked in with cat then, Carmilla. All right. My logic was cats can make their tails like fully erect, like they can have them literally stick like straight up. Hi-yo. You'd have to have a lot of bones in your. You have to have a lot of bones in your in your appendage to be able to stick it straight up like that. And that was the only animal I could think of that could do that. So I'll not say just that, but cats. they can also curl them, like literally right. a cat. A cat can have its tail going this way, and then the back end will come around this right. way, and then at the tip right. it'll be like eeky eeky yeah. eeky. <laughs> okay, this is where the vi- the show really does need to be on videos, just for that one. <laughs> that was awesome. So we agreed, cat. It is indeed a cat. So uh, my cat, when she, because she she understands the word treat, so we have to say T word around her. So whenever she gets T words, she does have her tail sticking straight up and it vibrates. She's like, yeah, I'm going to get some T words. Uh, But that was not the story. (laughs) That's the same thing that happens to me. (laughs) I'm always interested in the T words. 
And he hasn't had any. I, I just took a wholesome you. story about my animal, <laughs> and you're turning into a t- joke. It's <laughs> <laughs> the over the shoulder boulder holder. Anyway, you were talking about how dog tails hurt. Um, yes. So do cat tails. At least okay. my cat's tail. My cat's about nine pounds. Uh, and she embodies the quote, though she be but little, she is fierce. Cause she likes to lay on people with her head facing towards their feet, and she will whack you Ooh. with her tail. <laughs> Nevertheless, she persisted. Yes, she uh, does persist. Uh, oh, wow. Going into the gauntlet, 180 to 150. William and Chris have been on fire all day long. Absolutely. I, 150. I'm feeling good about our score. Yeah. You know, it's this all like, team is on fire. This team is on fire. All right, Carmela, what's the category for the gauntlet? A blonde, a brunette, and a redhead. Walk into a bar, perhaps. Okay, a blonde, a brunette, and a redhead. <laughs> our wager is locked in. All right, we're locked in with our bet, Carmela. All right, your gauntlet: a blonde, a brunette, and a redhead. Famous royal redhead, Queen Elizabeth I of England was also known by what nickname after the defeat of the Spanish Armada? All right, let's lock it in. Locked in. Your next question. Nicole Kidman is currently blonde, but she has also been a brunette and more famously a redhead. Mm-hmm. She made her Hollywood debut in what 1990 movie alongside future husband Tom Cruise? Okay, I can lock in if you want me to, William. I don't know. Go for it. Yeah. Are you locked in? Yes, I'm locked in. It's either Days of Thunder or Far and Away. I don't, I'm not familiar with... Well, I haven't seen either, but I'm not familiar with Far and Away. Far and Away is the story of of them both being immigrants from Ireland. They end up homesteading out in the in the western expansion of the U.S. It's, it's a really good movie, and it's around mm-hmm. that time period. Days of Thunder, obviously, race cars. He was a driver. She was a doctor. I don't know which one came first. Well, you know so what? Top Gun on. would have been like 86, 87, right? Yeah, 86. I, I do have this. I do have this. I felt like I remember them possibly already being married in Far and Away. Okay. So I might lean Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder first. Okay. Do you have any idea when Days of Thunder came out? I just know it would have been after Top Gun. Yeah, for sure. Out After Cocktail 2, which was 88, I think. 87, 88. Because he, he would have already been a big star by then. Still doing action stuff before doing a, a romance right. thing. Let's go Days of Thunder. Okay. Our answer is locked in. Your last question in the gauntlet. Morena Baccarin has a first name that literally means brunette in Portuguese. Oh. She received an Emmy nomination for her role in the show Homeland, but many geeks will remember her as the quote-unquote ambassador in this TV show with a cult following from the early 2000s. Okay. I have the hots for this woman. <laughs> All right. You and a lot of other she people, She is dude. so beautiful. You guys locked in? Yeah, we're locked in. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's uh, Firefly. 180,017 no, percent. I wouldn't know anything about Firefly. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I agree. It is It is Firefly. Yep. And um, yeah, I'm doing a rewatch of it right now. It's a fantastic oh, show. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So good. Yeah, so let's lock in with that. All right, we're locked in. What was famous royal redhead Queen Elizabeth known as uh, after the defeat of the Spanish Armada? Man, we don't know. (laughs) We have no no idea. Hey, welcome to the club. We We got seats. We made up Queen of the Ocean. 
Okay. So I've only heard of one nickname for uh, Elizabeth the first and the, that's the Virgin queen. So we thought maybe it was like a dig at Catholics, you know, the Virgin Mary and all that. And since she was famously anti-Catholic, we said that. Okay. Nicole Kidman made her Hollywood debut in what 1990 movie along with Tom Cruise? I uh, just want to say before you answer, I'm so proud of you, Jonathan. Why? I'm just because you're 100% right. It was Days of Thunder. Ooh. What did you say? I said Days of Thunder. Oh, good. We Yeah, we, we had the discussion. And it was either Days of Thunder or Four and Away, and I was struggling with which one it might be, and we said Days of Thunder. I remember seeing that in the theater just going, man, that lady has the longest legs I've ever seen in my life. Hmm. And they go all the way up? They all the way up <laughs> past her forehead. Julie Roberts' legs super long too. She is a very tall woman. Yes. And Marina Baccarin uh, is most remembered for her role as the ambassador in what TV show from the early two thousands? <sighs> I love, 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 love the love the show, and also in the two thousand six movie Serenity. But well, you're, you said you're rewatching it also, so I'll let you answer. Yeah, we said Firefly. So Ben, one of those things that people judge me for. Which mm-hmm. are many, mm-hmm. is that I've never seen Firefly, so I don't know anything about it. Me either. I do know that there was a uh, remake of the TV show V, where she played an ambassador type person, so we said V. Mm-hmm. All right. So, we'll start from the bottom, work our way up. Marina Baccarin, quote-unquote ambassador, uh, the reason is in quotes, is because she played an escort, and Malcolm Reynolds would yes. refer to her as the ambassador for the ship in Firefly. Firefly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when they're like introducing her and people like don't know what that means and he pops to her thing goes she's a whore. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole Kidman made her Hollywood debut in Days of Thunder. Whew. And Queen Elizabeth I uh, entered a, a stage in her life after the defeat of the Spanish Armada. She was known as Gloriana. Wow. Jonathan's clapping because he's heard our bet. We have not heard his, which kind of sucks. It's not It's not that. I'm just clapping because there's no way for us to win if you get them all right. At all. Because you true. have a lead. That's true. I'm, I'm actually surprised that no one's heard Gloriana. I, I'm not familiar with it at all. After that, she was known as Gloriana. I don't know. I You know what? That's that's a, a weak spot for me in European history. Honestly, I, I don't know much about Elizabeth I. There's a lot of kings. She so. is probably my favorite woman in history. Wow. From at least European history. More than... Um, more than... Um, Joan of Arc? No, 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 no. Spanish. Isabel? Isabella? No, doggone it. Richard II's mom. Oh, Eleanor Aquitaine. Yes, that's what I was going to Eleanor Aquitaine's a badass. That's, that's what I thought. Yeah. That was, I, yeah. I do love Eleanor yeah. Aquitaine, uh, but I, I do love Elizabeth a lot more. Oh, wow. A lot more. Well, I mean, I love them both, but, I mean, she she ran the whole thing. Uh, she refused to get her. married. I mean, she saw what happened with all of her father's marriages. I don't blame her for never getting married. <laughs> uh, pretty sure she wasn't a virgin. Uh <laughs> Also, I'm I'm from Virginia originally, and that was named for Queen Elizabeth. So, we <laughs> so we both got it wrong. Uh, ben and I, actually, Ben basically pushed for this number. Ben, you want to explain why? We would need 31 to cover if you bet zero. We felt like you were going to bet big, which means there's no reason for us to bet big because you can lock us out. So. I was thinking that we need to wager something where if you were anticipating us betting in the 30s and you bet just enough to cover that bet, then we would need to bet about 70 
to catch you. Also, if we both missed it and you bet big, we still would have enough left over that we could pass you. So we went with 70. All right. That puts us at 80 with a final score. All right. So, yeah, uh, I pushed Will to uh, go a lot bigger than he probably wanted to. No, that was... I, I drove off that cliff myself. Okay, I will fair enough. Take the blame for this. <laughs> yeah, we really. I mean, we really thought that you guys were going to go big just because the questions have been very gettable. They've been very well written, so you've been able to get around it and whatnot. And so, and or and so was my gauntlet. <laughs> I'm not saying it I'm wasn't. Giving you, I'm giving you a hard time. <laughs> and you're doing a great job. <laughs> and so we unfortunately bet one twenty one. Mm. it's funny because the one thing that ben and i definitely agreed on as we started the wager process was well there's no point in us betting at all right exactly uh so with a final score of 80 to 59 your winners are jonathan and ben great job that is our first lead of the game (laughs) (laughs) and it's the only one that mattered (laughs) better to be lucky i am good i am oh for three on betting strategies (laughs) (laughs) so i know how that feels sorry chris no 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 no. i just you guys did great though i have done i have played this game over and over again i should be better at betting strategies than i actually am well with that in mind uh let's turn it over to william to tell us about a cause he cares about or shout out some friends i just wanted to give a shout out to uh my regular trivia team Airbud dwyer at brine street tavern in dallas that's uh lincoln um steven michael uh john and uh, anyone else who joins us uh, during uh, on Wednesday nights, uh, shout out to you guys. You guys are awesome. And also just shout out to my wife, Betsy. Oh, hey, Betsy. Hey. So, uh, William. That's a cool name. By the first way. week of August, I believe I'm in Dallas. Yeah, I should oh, be yeah. too. Are you coming to podcast movement? I'm going to do my best. Cool. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we should get together for sure. Yeah, we should definitely meet up. Yeah, definitely. What, what night do you all play trivia? We play Wednesdays, but um, they they live in or some of them live in Fort Worth, so they play other nights too. Okay, um, but we all come together in Dallas on Wednesday usually. It is very possible that I'll be there. Okay, all right. Well, that's going to wrap us up. So for William, for Chris, for Ben, and Carmela, my name is Jonathan, and this has been another episode of Trivial Warfare, where it's not just trivia; it's war. Bye, guys. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to Trivial Warfare. Be sure to check out the revamped TrivialWarfare.com as your one-stop shop to submit questions, join the community, and get access to over 150 archived episodes. Warm It Up was written and performed by Matthew Stevens. This episode was edited and produced by me, Joel Sharpton. For help with your podcast, visit ProPodcastingServices.com. Hey, nerds. My new intro. How do you like that? <laughs> no. Yes. No. That's, hey, nerds. That's judging. I, I prefer geeks. Geeks? No. Yes. Ner- we're more nerds than geeks, dude. But the fact that you said that makes you a geek. <laughs> that is a hey, geek thing hey, to hey, say. Hey, trivia nerds. Yeah, whatever. Hey, trivia nerds. Yeah, that's better. Okay. okay. Or hey, warheads. I accept it. Yeah, that too. Eh, that's Come on, Brandy. It's too on the nose. Mm-hmm. It's too on the nose. I'm about to say, welcome back to Trivial Warfare. Okay. I'm not listening. What is the fan base called? Shush. It's called Zip It. Give me That's a terrible name for a fan base. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Zippers with Jonathan. Oh, God.
Okay, can I start, please? That's another podcast show. Fangs and beans. <laughs> awesome. Hello, trivial, trivial. See, damn y'all. <laughs> Hello, trivial millennials. <laughs> damn y'all. Damn y'all. <laughs> dang, dang, dang. <laughs> All right, let's try this again. Jimmy Connors, just Connors does not sound like it would be an Iranian name at all. I met him. Oh, okay. I heard he was a jerk. Hopefully he was not. I didn't have a long conversation with him. Fair enough. I was escorting him Oh, from place to place at the Malavai Washington tournament here about 20 years ago. That was not oh, a wow. cool story at all. <laughs> no, but it was a, it's a cool story, though. So... Actually, I'm going to go use the restroom real quick so you guys can talk. No, it yeah, because he's going to hear. <laughs> well, I still got to use the restroom, so. <laughs> cool okay, there has nothing to do with us talking. <laughs> well, you just let me right. pee. There was a, a teapot that I saw once, and it had Lionel Richie's face, and it says, hello, is it tea you're looking oh, for? Oh, very and nice. And I wanted it. <laughs> Speaking of teapots. Lauren Carey and I and Kel and my brother Bob and Jake Overman all went to karaoke last Saturday. Yes. We had a great okay, time. Okay, where does the teapots come involved? Give me a moment, please. Okay, sorry. Um, early on in the night, a guy got up there, normal looking dude, good beard, and sang Be, uh, be My Guest or Be Our Guest from Beauty and the Beast. Really? Not only did he sing Be Our Guest, he did full imitation. <laughs> so he's up there for the first half of the song and... Be out a guest, be out a guest, put on a Saturday this to the test, and and is perfect. And then it gets to Mrs. Potts, and he's up there singing like this, and it was amazing. It was oh so gosh. good. Did he tear the house down? It did. It was the best. Wow, that's awesome. Wow. So he was both Jerry Orbach and Angela Lansbury. It was so good. <laughs> that's, fan- that, that's fantastic. Your first category in round six. Put your phone away. It's way, am I, You know I'm not cheating. <laughs> I know you're not. I get though. way too much crap wrong to be cheating. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in this game. Your first category. <laughs> Where did he go? He went to the bathroom. That was a long trip. Well, he may have a long pee. Mm, or slow bowels. Do you use bowels to pee, or is that just poop? That's just poop. Yeah, depends on the dangling. <laughs> and pecans come from Georgia. I think you have similar. I think you use similar muscles Peacock. to push out to pee in and to poop, though. There's your Kegel muscles, I think. I'm glad we're having this conversation. So I'll read that again because I skipped a lot. What humorist? <laughs> what a humor is <laughs> Matt, huh? so i wrote part of my questions while i was half asleep yesterday and uh i when i was writing uh the atari chuck e cheese question i meant to write atari co-founder and instead i wrote atari found no <laughs> nolan like like he was lost <laughs> and atari found him um all right so Every time I hear that, I keep thinking of the movie Beaches and the song Otis Titslinger. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't think that I've ever heard that kind of language out of Christopher's I've never mouth. seen Beaches, and I had known nothing about this song. Well, the song is hilarious. It's so body, and Bette Midler does a fantastic job singing it. So Christopher and I saw... 
the first Deadpool movie together. And you love telling this story. I love story. telling this story because there's a whole like scene where it's all in a strip club. It, and There's a sex montage there in is. this movie. And it, it's a yeah. little awkward to watch with, with, with one of your best friends. Uh, <laughs> but yep. he was, I was like, I don't know if I've ever seen that many naked women in one spot. He goes, I don't know if I have either. <laughs> <laughs> A priest, a monk, and a rabbit walk into a blood bank. The rabbit says, I think I'm a typo. <laughs> That's awesome. I like that. What? Oh, I like that. That's <laughs> awesome. You didn't understand that? <laughs> Say that again. A priest, a monk, and a rabbit walk into a blood bank. The rabbit says, I think I'm a typo. Typo. A typo. 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 Rabbi. Rabbit. Rabbi. Oh. <laughs> so the past the present the future walk into the bar it was tense oh. <laughs> <laughs>